you've come back with X-Ray Vision. My name is Matthew Kroll. And Serenity is no longer wishing you had a different past. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically our top 10 of 2020 of films we reviewed on this podcast kind of around... 2020. And you're saying that because we all know and understand that 2020 took at least five years. That is correct. And then we take 3.5 years and we minus that off to get our window because that's probably how much of our own lives we've burned through in this time. You are looking Um, at least, uh, you're looking like you're at least 55 years old right now. Shahir, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I feel like I'm fucking a (laughs) hundred. This week has been fine. Like I'm not mad at it, but like I am burnt but i am here buddy i am ready to finally in the month of march of Mm. 2021 discuss the films that we discussed in 2020 this isn't entirely our fault although we make up these arbitrary (laughs) rules but one of the things is the oscars has been postponed normal in an ordinary year the oscars would have happened by now so we would have had basically you know, some sort of semblance of a cutoff point of what were the films of 2020 versus the films of 2021. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. One thing we can discuss, however, that did happen over the last, over the last weekend sure. was the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's Golden Globe Awards, which received much criticism for its lack of uh, diversity and lack of uh, inclusion. But whatever. It's, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> look, with all of these awards, including ours... It's all arbitrary, and and the reason we're here is because we love movies, right? We want you to love movies. We want you to just, if you hear something on this episode that sounds interesting to you because we've ranked it arbitrarily at number four or number three or number seven. But no other numbers. But no No other numbers. Just three, four, and seven. Only those ones. Please don't watch watch anything else. Uh, Hopefully you will go out and watch those movies because we think they're worth your time. So... The Hollywood Foreign Press, however, also determined that these movies were worth your time. Matt, do you want to? Should we just go through some of these winners and see what you think about them? Sure. Any you hit thoughts? me because, to be honest, I only know a few of these. You didn't uh, watch it? No. Yeah, I no. didn't watch it either, to be honest. I heard it was weird. I actually, sorry, I did watch uh, Tina Fey's uh, the monolo- the opening monologue. Okay. Um, I, I, and I and, and Jason Sudeikis. If you look at um. Jason Sudeikis versus any of the women who went to this show. The, the double standard was very clear. Oh, look, my girl Chloe Zhao was wearing a T-shirt, and I was like, yes, I'm here there for you this. There go. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't watch the, sh- the broadcast at all, by the way. Sure. Okay, fair. All right. Uh, let's, let's just go down this way. Best motion picture drama, the nominees were The Father, Mank, Promising Young Woman, The Trial of Chicago 7, and Nomadland. And the winner... Was Nomadland. Yeah, tennis okay. clap, tennis clap, tennis clap. Look at tennis clap. clap. Yay. Yay. I got to be honest with you, of those five films, 100%. Yeah, I think I'm on board with that. That yeah. makes that makes sense to me. I mean, I haven't seen The Trial of Chicago 7, and I haven't seen The Father yet, though I hear Anthony Popkins turns in a pretty amazing performance in that movie. All right. Um, so, but I got to be honest with you, Nomadland to me is a clear winner out of those films. Absolutely. All right. All right. Uh, best actress in a motion picture drama. 
We had Viola Davis for My Rainey's Black Bottom, Andrew Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. And the award went to, I feel like I'm a presenter now. You are. Andrew Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday. Now, this is an interesting one because the reviews for this film have been pretty scathing. We actually discussed this if we were going to do the film or not. And I was like, you're like, I don't know. And then we were debating, like, well, what's our point? What's our point when, like, if the reviews are trash, then do we want to engage with it? And I guess we never really came to a consensus. Um, but the the idea, I guess, would be if there's nothing else going on. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy to see it. I just always kind of my feeling is is unless there's a compelling reason to do it, if the consensus sure. on a film has been negative, I don't want to add contribute to the pylon. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and I'm already on thin ice after jujitsu. So <laughs> no, it's just yeah. Uh, but 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 again, I'm also of the belief that we could have entirely different opinions to the critical consensus. So maybe the movie's worth it. I am a big Billie Holiday fan, so there's that. There you go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the, the music will be great. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of musicals, the best motion picture musical or comedy. The nominees were Borat's subsequent movie film, Hamilton, Music, the Sia documentary, by the way, Palm Springs, and The Prom. It's so strange that comedies and musicals are still grouped together. <laughs> None of this makes sense. It's strange to me that actors and actresses are grouped together, uh, grouped tell, separately. Tell me, well, that's just an excuse, in my opinion, to give more awards. Like, but if that was the case, then why wouldn't they have best musical and best comedy? I don't know. Look, who, I mean, who it feels like a very antiquated system. Also, I love that Hamilton and Palm Springs were in the same the, fucking a musical category. and a comedy. Uh, you know, uh, and the winner was Borat subsequent movie film, which seems logical to me in yeah, that category. Um, Again, I'm, nothing's nothing's blowing my mind. Also, I'm finding I don't care. care. <laughs> yep, I I feel you on that one. Um, two more, just uh, quickly. Uh, we'll just, round it out. Uh, we'll just point out the fact that Minari did win best foreign language language film so yay to minari if, uh, yay. Uh, favorite film here uh best director this was historic which is that chloe zhao won for nomadland being the first woman in i think something a long time a long to, time to, to have won that award uh so that's fantastic and uh entirely deserved uh and finally uh this is a special one best actor in a motion picture the nominees were riz ahmed chadwick boseman anthony hopkins gary oldman and taha rahim and the award was given posthumously to chadwick boseman for my Rainey's Black Bottom, which I believe was accepted by uh, his wife, uh, and I think that is a, that's a nice uh, that's a nice thing. I have not seen yeah. my Rainey's Black Bottom, so I can't comment on it compared to everything else. But you know, who's going to argue with giving Chadwick Boseman yeah. an award? No one. No one. No gonna, one is. No, no one's going to argue with that. So. Moving on, uh, by the way, thank you to, uh, we have a couple of uh, listeners who emailed us in their top tens, and you'll be hearing those during the podcast. Uh, we also have an email in from a new listener, which I Yay! wanted to read out as well. Uh, I as, love new listener emails. Love, love new listener emails. Um, and uh, as always, you can email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod to tell us your thoughts, feelings, angry rants, uh, happy jingles you would like to send us i don't know do whatever you want to do with our email i mean you know most of which is just involves typing an email but you know you email responsibly <laughs> yeah uh this is from katie who writes in hello gentlemen i have recently stumbled across your star wars podcast and they're awesome 
Uh, I've been looking at your SoundCloud, and it appears that you guys recorded them several years ago. That is correct. A very long time ago. Yeah. But even still, because these movies were old when you discussed them, it's the same as if you had recorded them about them yesterday to me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited to that I've discovered your podcast, and I'll continue to listen to all your different opinions about all different kinds of movies. I know Kroll has referenced his love of Marvel movies several times. Uh, buckle up, Katie. You're, if you're starting yeah. at Star Wars, welcome, you're in for... Welcome to the zeitgeist. <laughs> you're welcome to, to the Matt Kroll Marvel corner. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hearing about those movies, especially in hindsight, because I think you recorded them as they were coming out. And now the first 22 are out, so I have many podcasts to listen to. Uh, have, have we done every Marvel movie? So technically, yes, due to the miniseries that I did with Shalia Evans yeah. when we went over phase one, two, and three. But I'm, uh, I'm saying across the spectrum of the podcast. No, we haven't done since, Iron... Oh, yeah, no, we have. Since yeah. we started the podcast, yeah. we've done every Marvel movie that has released in that five-year span, but we do cover in that miniseries all of them in phase one, in, in the three episodes that were the uh, Road to Infinity War. Okay, but to be completionist, we haven't done WandaVision or... Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or... or any of the Netflix shows, because that's television. <laughs> and we're not the only podcast about television. So Katie signs off with Anyway. Thanks for bringing some joy into the world with your podcast, and I wish you both the best of luck. From Katie. Thank you very much, Katie. I appreciate that email. Thank Taking you. Taking the time to write it, uh, especially discovering the Star Wars podcast. Yes, if you recall, if you've been listening, and uh, Terrace Man, we're talking you only here. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, we did, at the very beginning of the show, I think some five years ago, record uh, an episode for every installment of Star Wars. Star Wars is the other one. We've done every Star Wars movie, right? Every we've we haven't. Yeah, no, we've done, yeah, no. Yes, yes. Except for except for the TV no, movies, the did. Christmas special. I guess we did. We've so, done Solo, I, Rogue One, and we did we did the the six parter the uh, back in the old studio in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, and we had guests like actually coming. I remember one day. We recorded three in a row. Is that right? I think we did. We did. And oh, guests, yeah, like we had a schedule. Guests were rolling in. Oh. We had to buy snacks for everyone because if you if you're a guest on our show, we you, you know get snacks. you get snacks. Uh, I our, mean, not not now because you can't come here. Uh, I'll throw but, snacks at you if you want. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> uh, again, uh, email us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on so, Twitter. So Shahir, yeah. Uh, before we get into honorable mentions, okay. That's how we're going to start this. I believe we're going to do honorable mentions, then our 10 to, to 6 choices, going to chat about some other little middle things, maybe play one of them clips, yeah, go 5 to 2, have a little special message between 2 and 1, and then give our top films of 2020. We'll, we'll do it um, live. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll do it live. Yeah. Um, it recorded a few days before <laughs> you're hearing this, and then I totally didn't edit out that part. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do a thing over at the Extra Credits Discord. If you become a patron or a Twitch subscriber at Extra Credits, you get access to our, our channel Discord, where there's a bunch of really good beans who talk about a whole bunch of stuff about history, mythology, video games, etc. And over there, we just started a thing where myself, a few of the artists, a few of the writers, every week we set up something called an office hour. And we basically go into a voice channel in our Discord, and any patron can come in and hang out with us. And we just we get to de delineate. It's not like a Twitch stream or whatever. It's just like a voice conversation and text about whatever we want. I've done it to help write some other things. I've done. I've uh, uh, played with some Dwarven Forge stuff on there. And today, I um, I wanted to talk to the the community over at Extra Credits about what their favorite films were. Of 2020, oh, and I good. read them mine. Wait, you were you were you were getting some help? I wasn't getting help. <laughs> I read them mine, and I was curious. I had already locked mine in. Okay. I was just curious what other people 
um, what other people were interested in on that, on that side of the spectrum and what they'd seen. And I gotta say, Sheer, this year we all know it's was twenty twenty was a was a shit box year, but everyone in that chat could not actively think. Yeah. of like a film that they saw in 2020. Now, there were two exceptions and one was wrong. Uh, two people brought up Parasite. Okay. And I was like, nope, that doesn't count. It's great. doesn't count. Yeah. And then uh, actually two people brought up the, the, the last film that they saw in the theater that they actually enjoyed uh, was the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Fair, fair. And it was just interesting because I, I read my I read my list and then I realized that unless you make a film podcast or actively listen to film podcasts, a lot of the I think this year more than ever my the top um, things of my list are are far more obscure than they would be. Yeah. yeah. Um. Or, or, or I think the case is that people are there isn't a, the central water cooler moment movie yes. anymore. I think there are. Uh, we have um, retreated into our own separate tribes and we are watching amongst our own tribes. And therefore, yeah. movies are becoming much more uh, delineated by the circles we run in as opposed to the release schedules and the marketing schedules of studios, which is interesting to say the least. Um, yeah. It's a it's an interesting turn of events. And obviously, this is, I think, maybe perhaps, uh, you know, we had talked about this being the wave of the future uh, it, you know, in uh, in many of our episodes, but I feel mm-hmm. like obviously it all got accelerated into into one crash course bang uh, in 2020. Suddenly everything changed, and one of the the sort of um, tragedies of that is that we've uh, um, you know as as released today is the Alamo Draft House is filing yeah. for bankruptcy as of today. That now, fucking sucks. Well, to be fair, what I think what's happening there is that there is a transfer of assets that is happening, so the they're uh, being bought out by another fund. It doesn't necessarily mean that those that the Alamo Draft House is closing. Yeah, they're closing the Ritz in Austin. Yeah, which is a real shame because I've been to Austin several times and I've never had the chance to go oh, to the Ritz. Fuck, really? I, I know. I've really wanted to go. Um, so I've been twice. Yeah. Uh, and I gotta say, once was uh, w- both times were during a week long trip to Austin that I took with some friends. And the 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 movies I saw there are so dumb. But then I'll talk just briefly about the experience. Um, but it was the first time at an Alamo Draft House, and just going and seeing the love that they put into presentations before films and the rules that they have. We've talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, it's just an absolute delight. Um, I went and saw the third Transformers. No, the fourth. Whatever the first Mark Wahlberg Transformers movie was. Sure. I saw it there. The I don't know. <laughs> Whatever, doesn't yeah. matter. Uh, it, gar- the movie was garbage, but the experience was so delightful because it felt like even in a trash movie, like just people cared about cinema. Right. And then the <laughs> the second thing that I saw there was a Bill and Ted double feature. Nice. Yeah. And it was just so fucking nice, man. Like I, that 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 theater holds such a a weird, wonderful place in my heart, and I'm very sad that I've I've always thought about like oh well like when I go back to Austin I like I'll I'll even this is how psychopathic I am I'll maybe I'll plan it around what what film things they're doing during that time because why not you know like when we can travel again yeah and they um, used to famously I think they used to have a movie marathon there a 24 hour movie marathon yep, yep. at the Alamo Draft House and they would. Um, it became so popular that they had like advanced screenings of Lord of the Rings there at some point as well. And, yeah. and Peter Jackson turned up with the print of Lord of the Rings prior to it actually 
you know, playing oh, in wow. theaters kind of thing. Uh, oh. Edgar Wright, Quentin Tarantino, all these guys, uh, you know, like are patrons of the Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, I, I don't think we've seen the last of the Alamo Drafthouse. Uh, it is a shame that it is um, kind of, as we predicted, uh, possibly one of the the first victims of the pandemic in terms of uh, theaters being unable to open. Um, and, you know, it is, uh, it's, it's sad, but uh, hopefully... When things get back to normal, which they hopefully will at some point, I'm tempering everything with a sure, hopefully temper or maybe. Away. Um, please go to a movie theater. Go to a local movie theater. Uh, in New York, there's, in Greenpoint, there's a tiny movie theater that is literally just a projector and um, some seats. Um, and But it's run by a guy who loves movies and just puts up whatever he can and supports local filmmakers. What is the name of that? It is the Stuart Cinema and Cafe, which I've been to. And it's just a little tiny, it's a one-room theater with grab-and-go oh. grab <clears throat> meals. It's, there's always a Nighthawk? Yep, the Nighthawk, uh, Alamo Drafthouse, all that sort of stuff. So uh, we hope we can go back to the movies at some point. Um, by the way, uh, in New York City, movie theaters are opening again to um, to restricted capacities and, and, and what have you. Um, and also, if you live in Texas, everything is opening up and there's no longer a mask mandate. Yeah, I will just yeah, say this yeah. very clearly. Um, uh, and, you know, listeners take it for however you will. I'm not a medical professional. I will not be going to the movie theater, you know, anytime soon until uh, not only am I vaccinated, but a large swath of the population is vaccinated. Oh, and, and I'll tell you this. I'll lie and say I'm a medical professional. Don't go <laughs> to the movies yet if you live in the United States of America. In Texas, what do you do in Texas? It's a, The what movie you- theater is just um, a perfect nexus of all the things you don't want to be doing in a pandemic. Breathing and not moving. Breathing with not a lot moving of other people. In a, in a single confined area. Yeah. Um, so uh, take that for what you will. We'll be back at the movies. Matt, the year is 2020. Uh, it has been a year so far in uh, quarantine, I guess. We have been isolated from each other. Uh, we have a little structure that we try to keep to. The first being, Matt, what are the movies that didn't make your list, that were eligible to make your list, that you really wanted to make your list, and would have if maybe the list was a little bigger and I wasn't such a dick about the number 10? Uh, Well, first and foremost, I would argue that I, uh, Sir Matthias Krolinov Esteban III, uh, am more of a stickler for our rules than you are. That is true. Uh, um, But we uh, did, the one thing we did agree on is 10. We did. We it's as high as we can count, and I figured it would be the safest bet. Um, so, do you want me to just? Say, I have I have four and a half honorable, honorable mentions? mentions. All right, hit me. Uh, Nomad Land is first. What? <laughs> Let's drop a bomb. Whoa! It's You're it's coming in hot, baby. I am because here's the deal. It, that movie hit me like a ton of bricks, and I we, we can go back and listen to the episode. I loved it very much. I have not thought about it until I was writing this list, and by the time I had thought about it, I had already had placed films on my list. What's crazy about that is that is the last movie you reviewed before this list. I know. So. I know. But that's but that that kind of spoke like at first I was like, oh well it has to go in. And then I was like, I guess for me personally it doesn't. Mm. Because it did I it I, 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 it's not how my brain worked when I built this list. All right, all right. What are the, what are your other? You've you're gonna you're gonna keep hating me as we go. Three and a half. Go. Okay, hit me. Uh, Miss Juneteenth. Whoa. Okay. Miss Juneteenth okay, uh, right. was a was a wonderful film that I absolutely adored. Um, 
But uh, again, all of these films I'm going to list are ones that did not pop into my list when I wrote it, and I was already moving movies around. Okay, all um, right. So uh, then and, I also do you think, have. Do you think that both of those seem to me to be exemplary of the fact that there are exceptional movies this year? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the truth is, uh, even out of these five films, I'm going four and a half that I'm going to say on this list, um, that. The, the the mere fact that these are the these films are the ones that I have to take off my list says something about the year. Okay, I think. all right. Um, what is your what is your third film? Uh, Borat's subsequent movie film. Okay, I, I thought it was such a, a a kick in the funnies that I needed at the moment. Um, I I got to see it on an outdoor porch on a on a screen. It was very very nice. Um, I don't know. I just I, I had a really good time with that movie, and I thought it did a lot of good work and was hilarious. So there's that. Okay. And then again, Shahir, you're gonna you're gonna. I, I feel like a lot of mine are gonna be on this list, and the rest of yours are gonna be in like the top top digits. Uh, Sound of Metal. Come on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> again, another movie I think that hit me really hard and that I enjoyed. And th- this is not to say that these are. You should all, you should see every one of these. Right. Right. Um, without question. What is the um, half movie? Oh, so instantly when I was like honor, no, actually, I wanted to put this in my top list because when I was go back and look at our list, yeah, I was like, I thought I was scrolling through our website. We do have a website, onlymoviepodcast.com, <laughs> which we, we do update. Like, you can see a nice wall of our things. It actually might be a fun way to find, just based on the thumbnail very quickly, <laughs> something that you might be interested in. We, we never talk about the website. We do yeah. have a website that I do keep up. I actually, I think I've looked in our stats, and we do get a considerable number of plays from the website. I'm not sure do how we? people actually, like, click on the website and then listen there. Email us in if you if you if the the main way you get it is our website because that would make me feel so much better for the extra ten <laughs> minutes I do every week to make that website function. All right. Um, what was the half? So the half was the platform because it Why didn't come half? out in because it didn't come out in twenty twenty. It came out in twenty nineteen. Did it really? Wait, we it reviewed did. it in twenty twenty. I know, but it came out in twenty nineteen. Hmm. When did. did it? Okay, hang on. Platform. I, I looked this up because I wanted to it to go on my list. But it was released on Netflix. In, in 2020, but it was uh, not based you know on my rules as how yeah. I understood them. It was it released on 20 in 2020 on uh, on Netflix. Yeah, but uh, fair. It does it does not fit for me. But that movie shook me to my core, and I it was my favorite sort of thing about like a sci. It, it's sci fi per se, but it's also very minimalist in a certain way. It has a point. It like it's not minimalist. I mean, That's the wrong word. Know. It's it's um. It's focused. Yeah, yeah. It's if you if you like the movie Cube, you're gonna love the platform. Yeah. So those are my those are my four and a half. Shahir, what about you? The one that I did exclude that I I can't recall if we put into our top 20, ten last year was Portrait of a Lady on Fire because I feel mm. that was sincerely a 2019 release. Um, I will say to listeners in uh, uh, in uh, countries that are not the United States, these release dates mean even less to you because I know, for example, <laughs> uh, for for some top 10 list this year the top 20 uh the top 10 of 2020 include parasite because for some countries parasite only came out in 2020 it's a good thing we're focusing on it then yeah so it, it you know it comes out uh ex- so portrait of later of fire was an exclusion for me honorable mentions for me included one of your exclusions which was the platform that was mm. an honorable mention that I I wished I could have found a space for on my list but I just couldn't find a space for it uh, not not when I had to to sort of Call down tin, um, and his house, the uh, the British yeah. horror film. That was another one yeah. where 
um, I I couldn't quite uh, make that work in the list. But I think those are two exceptional films that you should see. So Matt, uh, I'm I'm writing these down as we go. You've excluded Nomadland. You've excluded Sound of Metal. You've excluded Miss Juneteenth. You've excluded The Platform, and you've excluded Borat. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. I'm keeping a ledger here, keeping oh, us good. honest. Matt. Shall we go into it? Shall we do our top ten? Yeah. Top five. Uh, ten to five. Or ten, ten to six. Ten to six. Yeah. Uh, I'll start. You start. All right. Uh, what is your number ten? First. Was it the last? Well, now it's the last cow. Well, it's the first. The movie's first cow. Yeah, but it's, it's the my last cow in spot. your list. Sure. Well, yeah. It's <laughs> technically the only cow in my list. <laughs> that too, is true. So. That is true. Yeah. First cow, baby. The last film that I saw in a theater. Tell us what you loved about First Cow. Uh, First Cow is the movie I I think that that this is how I knew I loved this film. I try to convince people to go see it, <laughs> and and more than just like oh it's good you should go see it. Like I could do that with a few of the films down the list, and I'm just like I don't know. There, there's something about First Cow and the story of it, and sort of the the I don't know the nuances, the way it sort of handles a small story and does it very eloquently and 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 makes it emotionally resonant. Where I will not only be like, oh, have you seen First Cow? Oh, you gotta see First Cow. And then I'll go into like too much of the plot, and then I'll be like, no, I can't tell you too much. But like, but like, y- you know, in in the Westward Expansion, and da da da, da and like, I'll go into the moments of things and why I think it's such an interesting time period to place a film. <laughs> uh, and and it, it, to be honest, I think uh, some people like that. Some people are turned off by that. But uh, I all I do is talk about the time period in which First Cow was 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 takes place. And the journey that these two men go on uh, in their baking spree, and and uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like again, and I and I, I at first I was like, am I just sweet on this movie because it was the last movie I saw in a theater? <laughs> and I I really don't think I am. Okay. Um, I I think it 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 stuck with me long after where I I do continually. When when suggesting people watch this movie, I talk about it with more specificity than I actually even remember remembering, <laughs> and and therefore for me that says that a movie is stuck in the back of my brain, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to watching it again. Yeah, and also it was the first movie on on our 2020 list potentially that you could, you could include, mm-hmm. and you remember it. Whereas the last movie we did on our 2020 list, you don't remember, or you don't you don't it I don't actively rem- think about. Don't actively but think like, about. Yeah, so that's, that's you know right. you know what scene I think about weirdly enough in in first cow what and it's a few of them but it's it's these moments it's when he's sneaking in to milk the cow and like kind of having conversations with the cow <laughs> it's there's a delightful just, it's a beautiful cow yeah it's just there's something man it, it i don't know that movie maybe it's because i my grandparents had a farm i don't yeah. know i it it, it I don't know. It was wonderful. What about you, Sheer? That was my top ten. What is your what's your what's your number ten? My number ten is the most twenty twenty movie of the year, and that is the documentary Totally Under Control by Alex Gibney, <laughs> Ophelia Harrington, <laughs> and Suzanne Hillinger, uh, which uh, we uh, had a fantastic guest, uh, Ross Firestone, on the on the Doctor Ross uh, on the uh, episode to discuss. Mm-hmm. The reason I can't shake Totally Under Control, it is not the greatest documentary ever made it is simply a chronicle of the colossal failure of the united states to deal with covid-19 it is it is just a 
if anything speaks to the what was important about 2020 to me it was the absolute horrifying thought that at the time that totally under control came out i think 150,000 people had died mm-hmm. we are now at the point at which five over 500 half a million people have died and it is uh, a catastrophic failure and when i think about you know not putting it lightly the trump administration's response to COVID-19 and the complete and utter um, failure of, uh, of responsibility um, to do the right thing, of moral responsibility to, for someone in that role, um, a complete and absolute failure. I, I, that's what I'm going to remember about 2020. It is horrific. And that, while I think the documentary is just kind of like a, um, an interesting recap of of how we got to this to that point when that film came out right. i think that film exemplifies what is why 2020 will go down in the in the history books and it's not it's not the virus itself it's the failure to respond reasonably to the virus as other countries have done the united states we have completely fucked up like there's no yeah. other way to put it we've just we have fucked up totally on this thing the united states uh, is a bit of a zombie. It, it's 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 also it's highlighted everything that is problematic about the way we live. Like there, I feel like we're kind of DOA, but we're still walking around mm. like like as a society. Like who who in their right mind is looking at the United States and being like, oh, we should be like them? Yeah. Like like no one. No, like not a soul. Took four years. Yeah. Well, nah, I mean, it, not to say that we were in good standing with everybody before that. Of course, we were not. But uh, I, it definitely dropped at an exorbitant rate. No, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, it's the most, totally under control. Yeah. Uh, the most 2020 of my films. Yeah. Matt, on a lighter note, what is your number nine? Uh, my number nine line. is a cool ride on an infinite lazy river. Uh, I, of course, am talking about Palm Springs. Ah, uh, what a delight. That, oh, God, <laughs> oh, the first time I've seen a Groundhog Day scenario done right since Groundhog Day. Oh, uh, come on. Tomorrow, uh, was Live, Die, Repeat? Come on. Ah, uh, no. I no, like, and they're fine. And look, Happy Death Day is fun, too. Yeah, yeah, I like Happy um, Death Day. But, like, I felt like the, the, um, the, the tone, the, 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 not only was Palm Springs hilarious, but uh, Andy Samberg and uh, Kristen Milotti had like a crazy chemistry, which also works for a rom com. Throw J.K. Simmons in something, and I am for it. And there, <laughs> J.K. Simmons um, with a crossbow. Yeah, yeah, that's triple. That's triple points. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I felt like much like, okay, so like, live, die, repeat, or Edge of Tomorrow, whatever you want to call it, is cool. Mm-hmm. But like the mechanic doesn't really hyper affect the characters outside of what the mechanic does where this and groundhog day are sort of tied to individual people more so like it makes it more of a personal narrative as opposed to like a video game which again live die repeat is very cool yeah. i like it um so so I don't know. It, 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 I feel like a lot of the films on my list, and maybe you can relate to this based on your top ten, are kind of right place, right times. Yeah, of course. Um, and that might be fair or not, but it's my list, and I'll be fair or not if I want to. You're going to listen to me. I'm a doctor, he said, lying. <laughs> so so um, 
I don't know. There was just something by the time in that movie when uh, they wander off and he's being chased and they uh, uh, and she makes it to the cave. Mm-hmm. Like I was hooked. Yeah, I was just in it. Uh, and actually, you know, it might have helped it too. And again, I'm leaning more and more every day, Shahir, toward your way of thinking. I hadn't seen a trailer. I had no idea what it was. I knew Andy Samberg was in it, and they were they were on a long, lazy river in the promo shot. And I was like, this is probably funny. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty, and I had no idea. Uh, that would be pretty amazing to realize it was a time uh, a time loop film as you're watching the movie, right? I did. Yeah, that and would be great. it was wonderful. Yeah. No, because so, yeah. I knew it was a time loop movie despite having not seen the trailer. Ah. Uh, it's an excellent choice. It's an excellent film. Um, yeah. I think it's the most... Um, it's the most movie movie, I think. Of, yeah. You know, like, it's the most, like... Um, I, I'm trying to describe it. It's, like, the most... It checks pl- the most boxes It's the most for popcorn movie, movie. movie. You know, like, yeah. it's a delightful popcorn movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. It's a great choice. Um... My number nine is a film that appeared on your honorable mentions. Okay. Nomadland by Chloe Zhao. Ah, so. A little little lower than you'd expect, yeah. To be fair, (laughs) when you did the big, whoa, (laughs) uh, it really is two marks lower than where I put it. Hey, those two two marks are the difference between appearing- On the top ten and not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nomadland is the film of the award season, and it is an extraordinary piece of filmmaking. Um, it is it is um, a film that it will sit with me for a long time. Uh, the as we described, I think, at last week's episode, uh, the terror of the absence of a social security net uh, has never been more profoundly felt than watching uh, Francis McDormand shit in a bucket. But, <laughs> um, I, like, it's so, I think it's weird because I'm framing this, I'm going to be framing this conversation with why is Nomadland not higher on my list? Um, and that might be the wrong way to place it because I think Nomadland is exactly where I would put it regardless of the award hype. I, it's a film that I deeply love. I think sure. it works really well. Um, there are other films that that I happen to love slightly more or or spoke to me more. Um, but um, I think the conversation around how Nomadland operates is going to be a really interesting one as we gear into award season. But as we've seen with the Golden Globes already, uh, it is a it is a a wonderful testament. And and what makes it extraordinary is the fact that the people in the film are the real people you know, talking about their lives. And and there's a story that is told in that film by uh, one of the characters who happened to be in the, in the book that the, that the film is based upon and who tells a story that that person hasn't told anyone um, in, in their actual life, but told it in this film. Uh, Mm -hmm. And for that, you know, that amongst many reasons is sort of makes it uh, an extraordinary testament to, to um, the empathetic power of film, you know? Yeah. I, I, I love it. Yeah. All right. right. That's a good listen. I'm glad it made it onto one of our things because I think it is it is it is it it was effective in the moment for me. All right. All right. Um, What do we got as a number eight? You'll be back on the list. And I didn't think to think of a song. It's Hamilton. Hamiltron. (laughs) Hamiltron 9000. And. 
I know it's a play. I know it's a musical in a theater. <laughs> um, but I had never experienced it before. So the first time that I had actually experienced Hamilton was in uh, uh, v- v- recording of play as movie Disney Plus dot org. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, since it was. Uh, in the same category in the Golden Globes as Palm Springs, I think um, perhaps I am fine with this judgment. Again, I am a movie doctor. Um, I mean, what I, I don't even know what else to say about Hamilton. It is moving. It is surprising. It is wonderful. It is. I, I've watched it now twice. Yep. Um, which is uh, I didn't expect. Yep. Um, actually, fun fact. It actually got back into my. Um, into my into my purview because I don't know if you saw this in the in the haunts that you go to on the internet, Shahir, but some absolute mad lad uh, made the first half of Hamilton all in Animal Crossing. Oh my god! <laughs> and like it's the it's the music, yeah, it's the yeah. actual music from the thing, but they did um, they they cut it to Animal Crossing. But I I have to say. Even then, the music is so powerful, and to be fair, the editing is very, very good of what they did. Yeah, uh, and and a credit to Animal Crossing, the surprising <laughs> amount of uh, emotional resonance can be happened with like you know whatever fifteen emotes or something. <laughs> um, but like they put it all together, and it was beautiful. And I think that as as a piece of media itself on Disney Plus, honestly, outside of WandaVision and maybe The Mandalorian, like I feel like that's where like I got such my money's worth from that service for having to, the access. That's what it is to me. It I finally had access to Hamilton and I couldn't really get it easy anymore. Like I I could spend a bunch of money and go to a theater. Yeah. Um or I could just have a Disney Plus account, I think, that came with my cell phone. <laughs> and I, I think um, the Hamilton production has been really good about that kind of thing. They mm-hmm. know that they're one of the highest grossing, you know, the hottest tickets that you have to get, but they do go out of their way to give free screenings, um, yes. free free performances wherever they can, invite people to come see the show wherever they can. So mm-hmm. I think it's great. Yeah, no. Absolutely shocked it made it on my list, but it really did. Uh, I loved it very much. Well, just you wait. Just you wait. Because my number eight is Hamilton. Oh, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Really? It is Hamilton. Wow. I was delighted by Hamilton. And yes, for all the same reasons that you have. Uh, I will say one. I, I'll, I'll bring it to a personal anecdote. Uh, not personal anecdote. Uh, the song <laughs> It's Quiet Uptown yeah. really affected me personally. Um, because it is about the death of a child and something that happened this year. I don't know why I did this or why I was doing this, but like anytime I would hear about a child dying, you know, I would immediately, whenever I could go for a walk and listen to It's Quiet Uptown. Mm -hmm. And there were a number of times that I heard of children in not people I knew, uh, but people, uh, people who knew people I knew whose children had passed away or something like that, or something terrible had happened. Uh, one that really happened close to Astoria as well. Um, the story really affected me. Um, and so I was just listening to It's Quiet Uptown a lot this year. Um, and I would think about that, 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 that what I think is extraordinary about Hamilton is that mm. it, it, it is ex- extraordinary excellent about turning the historical into the personal 
and and trying sure. to under identify what made Alexander Hamilton tick. And like a song like It's Quiet Uptown um, really understood how Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton's brain kind of worked and, and empathized with the tragedies that were going on in his life um, while also giving us the stories of why he was important. So yes, Hamilton made it to my number eight in exactly the same spot. Is there so like everybody a... at home? If you have the bingo cards of where we're going to cross streams, yeah. uh, I think we just did. We just so did. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if it happens again. Take your bets now. I I think it'll happen one more time. I've got I've got I've got a couple that I see potentially crossing streams. But I don't know. Like, the... We don't know if it's going to be the exact spot. Yeah, right? the like, exact... I, I think we're going to have the same movies places, but I don't know if we're going to get another more than one more like full uh, meetup like we did on Hamilton. That is a what is that like? A, what do we do? Do we like? Um, is there we like would a... high five if we were in person. Yeah, and there's a special like power ring we must get at that point if that happens. Sure, something like that. it's it's based on uh, uh, early American legislation. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, uh, my number seven uh, it consists of four words. Oh, I know what these four words are. And already. they are never, rarely, <laughs> sometimes, always. All um, right. Yeah. What a fucking gorgeous gut punch of a movie this thing is um if you listen to the episode i mean here's here's the truth this is so funny when we do these things i'm always like if you listen to our episode Mm -hmm. on this thing like i'm pretty sure if you're listening to us ramble this isn't your first rodeo um (laughs) with us rambling (laughs) so uh i i think i'll just simply say this um this the stakes of that movie uh, while very small are very large. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am always a fan of when a film can take me and transport me into a situation that I could never, ever, ever experience. Right. Um, and not that the film would give you the exact experience, but but when I, I credit a film's uh, uh, craft and and or, or, or you know not necessarily worth, but like uh, effectiveness as how close to the experience can you get me? How close to the experience of having to figure out uh, based on being from a from a small town like how to go about getting an abortion in the United States of America? And having such limited resources and, uh, you know, obviously not being a cis white dude in the process, um, can you bring me to that to that threshold? And um, this movie just, I think, did it as as best as it possibly could. So um, I have thought about this movie quite a bit, too. And it's absolutely phenomenal. I did not expect it. You know, what's interesting. I didn't expect it to affect me as much as it did. Mm -hmm. But I do remember when. Uh, I saw the trailer in uh, whatever forever ago. Mm-hmm. I was I thought I saw the trailer and I was like, I bet you this is a this is a top list movie. <laughs> like I, there was something about it that I just sort of knew that it was going to be ex- uh, you know exquisite. So also yeah, one of the best my... uh, best along with First Cow, I think one of the best friendships in film. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two rider dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my number. What are we at? Seven. What is it, seven? You're at seven. We're at number seven. Mm-hmm. My number seven is also my number one cow. First cow, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kelly Reichard's first cow again for all the reasons you've uh, you've mentioned because uh, where did it appear number appeared number ten on your list um, mm-hmm. uh, a movie to see in a movie theater um, an absolute uh, amazing movie to see in a movie theater one that takes many unexpected turns while at the same time you know dealing with the the uh, nascent stages of capitalism and its effects in American culture. Uh, also, the potential for human friendship to be everlasting in interesting ways. Yeah. And and uh, the final shot of... It's actually... The final shot is a repeat of an early shot that happens in First Cow. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it'll, it'll, it'll stay with me because the film is really about what what the meaning of that final shot is, which we saw earlier, and how it transforms over time. And um got to say... You 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 gotta have a buddy that is willing that is that willing and committed to your baking in life. That's what you need. You need everybody needs someone who's committed to their baking, whatever that baking may be. Whatever that baking is, if you can make oily cakes, uh, you should have a buddy to help you make oily cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, well, uh, sadly. The, the main character of my next film, I think, um, may have had that once, <laughs> but uh, I think lost it along the way, uh, due to, uh, uh, causing much detriment to them and those around them. I, of course, am talking about my number six pick, Promising Young Woman. Promising. Um, <laughs> promising. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um another movie that knocked me on my ass i thought i'd like this but i didn't think it would just sort of like really stick to the bones as it were um what a powerhouse performance from carrie mulligan uh also uh bo burnham just like chewing scenery and 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 doing turns with that character that were unexpected like everything about this movie and how it was set up um felt like it led you down one path and then would whip you to another and um i don't know it's just it's one of those things and it's funny when i when i think about um never rarely sometimes always i i think a lot about the experience of the characters that are going through and it's shot well and it feels like you're in new york and it does what it's supposed to do but when i think about something like promising young woman i think of the the story of course but also just how it's shot right like it's it's really well put together it's really well put together it um they had uh emerald fennel Fennel had such a, a a very clear idea of how they wanted this movie to look and it, it gets it across in spades um i absolutely love this film uh, uh i will watch it uh many more times i think uh and it was always lovely to have shalia evans back on the show again so yeah, yeah that's a that's a it's a strong pick it's a it's a film that didn't make my uh honorable mentions your honies and, and i will say it didn't make my top 10 um but well Way to spoil the whole thing. Guess we should stop now. This has been the only. No. Um, I will. Say, I will say that is a movie that I think I I like in principle, and I like the I when I think of what the idea of that film is. Sure. I think I really like that. I I'm just not sure it landed for me. It's a movie that, that didn't quite work for me. What's your number six then, Shahir? What's what's a better movie at that level in your opinion? Ah, uh, it's one that has appeared already on your list, and that is Palm Springs. Oh, 
I, wow. I appeared higher on your list. I feel like we're doing a tenant kind of thing right now, which is that we are. we're inverting, uh, like we're playing your list backwards and my list forwards. <laughs> sure. <laughs> in fact, fun fact, the only time tenant I think will be mentioned in this <laughs> yeah, entire, in this entire podcast. Yeah, it won't be on any honorable mentions. Uh, Palm Springs, what a delight. Uh, actually, in <laughs> odd ways, I think Palm Springs, in terms of, I guess it's popcorn value. It's it's weird to equate Promising Young Woman and um, and Palm Springs in this way, but there is a sort of level of polish and finesse at play in both Palm Springs and Promising Young Woman uh, that that um, kind of contribute to its most its its sort of moviness. I guess it's mm-hmm. the, it's the way to kind of to, to phrase it. Um, but what a delightful movie! Uh, you know, as, as for all the reasons you mentioned before, a, a, a sort of a great. Uh, basically taking the concept of uh, a time loop and and again um, you know which is which is obviously you know pinpointed by one single film Groundhog Day is going to be like the movie that we always talk about when we talk about time loops um, but but really expanding it and and taking it in a different direction and really exploring the idea to a little a, a further degree um, yeah it's just a, a a sheer joy to watch you know a sheer joy to experience an easy watch um and and a delightful one and one that you know like uh signals uh a really exciting filmmaker i will say one thing about our list so far and i think it's going to be a theme uh throughout this is it's not necessarily the case that these are uh first time filmmakers in 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 many of these cases uh, mm-hmm. eliza hitman and kelly reichard for have been around for a while and made many films um but i think we're seeing new voices and when i mean new voices i just mean that voices that have either made a few films and have finally found and have and have are hitting the popular sure. zeitgeist or filmmakers that are genuinely new and max babacow uh who made palm springs is a new filmmaker um you know uh, eliza hitman again uh established filmmaker but one that has kind of found their footing here um uh so i think we're th- that might be a prevailing theme this year which i'm quite excited about yeah all right so that's our 10 to 6 that's right. So now we're going to take a little break from the new and talk a little bit about the old. Our our favorite rewatches because we did rewatch because we were hungry for content. We were hungry for content. We had giveaways. We we did a lot of stuff this year. We did a lot of stuff. Yeah, this was the first year we had giveaways, which was really nice. <laughs> um, we'll try to do those in the future when we can. Absolutely. Um, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go through my rewatches real quick. Yeah. I, I'm not. I only have three okay. that I really wanted to. So, so first and foremost, Gremlins two. All right. Uh, what a <laughs> uh, oh, controversially I, better than the first. I think it is better yeah, than yeah. the first. I think in this day and age, not that the first is bad. The first works as a as a as a horror film and 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 is effective enough. But Gremlins two just has everything that I like in it. Marrying um, a gremlin at some point. Having do they have children? No, no. But he does get married to the gremlin, right? He does get married to the gremlin, which (laughs) I guess makes all of the sexualization fine. I don't know. Um, (laughs) But the the film itself uh, is such a microcosm of like New York in that time period or what people thought New York was when it was like in a Trumpian tower. Right. And then to take a Trumpian character and turn it on its head and to make them sort of likable, even just based on the actor's performance is just such a lovely little story too. And you could tell that everyone is having fun. That's kind of the biggest things for me. Gotcha. Um, then, uh, 
Uh, Scott Pilgrim. Of course. I know, listen, I know a uh, friend of the show, uh, honorary co-host many times, Jessica Tucker, Mother Mother Tucker, uh, called it cinematic Gogurt. <laughs> um, but I don't care. Gogurt's delicious, and I don't need a spoon. And then finally, uh, I will say, and how could I not, because I was pushing for it for five fucking years. Oh, I know but what this is, yeah. Rewatching Real Steel will <laughs> always bring a smile to my face and i will continually sing that film's praises uh as i continually quote make some money so wait um, uh wait real steel gremlins 2 and what was your scott pilgrim scott pilgrim so this is really interesting because those are three movies that you push to have on the show of and course. the three movies that I'm going to put as my best rewatches of the year are three movies that I push to have on the show. This is not interesting. <laughs> this, this is expected. <laughs> this is just completely, completely expected. It would be amazing. Welcome if to we... our pandering corner. <laughs> uh, my three were very quickly uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Jaws, and Citizen Kane. Those are just delightful rewatches that I just thoroughly yeah. uh, loved going back to and revisiting. There's so much you know that has been said about those three movies. Uh, the Talented Mr. Ripley maybe is the one that like isn't in the pantheon of of cinematic greats like Jaws and Citizen Kane. It's a little bit pat to say Jaws and Citizen Kane uh, to talk about <laughs> Jaws and Citizen Kane on a podcast on a movie podcast. Uh, but whatever, they're great. They're great for yeah. a reason. Um, go watch them. Listen to us talk about them. They're they're fantastic. Citizen Kane we did as a preamble to Mank, and uh, and you know we kind of proved that there's a reason why Citizen Kane is like lauded as one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, well, well, I mean, I yes. did, I did, and you I, did. I agree with that, <laughs> but it just didn't have the like of really. Did, for, how was the the Talented Mr. Ripley was a first time watch for you, right? Like uh, I liked it a lot. Yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. Maybe that's actually why it didn't hit my rewatch. Yeah, because I didn't consider it a rewatch. Right, right. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, I I kind of wish I had gotten more into Scott Pilgrim because I feel like I again that's a movie I like in principle. Like I like everything about it when I think about it but when I watch it I often find myself a little bit lit down by it um it's, I'll come back to that film uh time and time again it's still fucking well made it's still it's still Edgar Wright um so it's you know. still great <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, yeah. go listen Tastes to the episode great, go listen no to the episode spoon. All right, so those are my three. Uh, next up, before we continue, we're going to go to listener Jacob's top three films of the year uh, because we asked some of you to uh, give your thoughts, and Jacob very kindly gave us some of his time. So take it away, Jacob. Well, it has been a year, and my top three picks seem to show that I have been gravitating towards slower-paced films that reflect on different ways of being. Number three, I'm thinking of ending things. Number two... Nobody Knows I'm Here, and number one, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I was also surprised by how foggy some of my memories were of the films I saw this year. It seems that not having the surrounding journey of going to the theater really affected my mental model for encapsulating the journey you take while watching the film, and I found that very surprising. Anyway, excited to hear your picks. There is one film on his list that uh, actually should be in my honorable mentions. I'm not sure why I didn't put it in my honorable mentions. Um, I guess I won't reveal what it is because it might reveal what my my top fives are. It will. You can't do it. <laughs> um, but but there's a movie on there that I was like, 
damn, why isn't that on my list? And it's just, I didn't quite find room for it. I should have put it in my honorable mention, so I'm going to leave that for later. Uh, Jacob is also a, a listener who always sends us great recommendations. Nobody Knows I'm Here is the Chilean film uh, with uh, uh, Jorge Garcia or Jorge, George Garcia from Lost. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I have heard very good things about that. Um, I will definitely check it out now because Jacob has recommended it. Um, and uh, did include Portrait of a Lady on Fire, although I did email him back and say and and just mention why I didn't include that in my list. But look, as Jacob pointed out, <laughs> 2020 man, it it goes all the way back to 1980 as far as I'm concerned. You know, it go, burns. Goes it back burns. as far as you want it to go back. So yeah. make your own rules, buddy. Thank you, Jacob. Oh, Appreciate boy. it. Yeah, no, thank you, Jacob. Uh, so now, Shahir, I think as we continue on to our top five, I would, if you wouldn't mind, mm-hmm. because I started the the ones for 10 to 6. Okay. Do you want to start 5 to 2? Absolutely. We can flip this All around right. if you like. Flip it and reverse it. Go My on. number 5 was a movie that I thought was going to be one thing, entirely defined by um, the moment that we're in right now, and turned out to be something entirely different and unexpected and a kind of amazing. And that was Kitty Green's The Assistant. Um, ah. A movie that feels feels like it would be steeped in the sort of salacious nature of of um, uh, imbalanced sexual uh, impropriety, the Me Too movement, and is actually about the micro moments that create those power imbalances by a character who's entirely powerless in mm. that situation, and is really well confined movie, um, a movie that that. Um, that sticks to the events of one day and really examines small, um, small transactional uh, behaviors between human beings. Um, It's really a a masterclass in filmmaking. I think, you know, like when we talk about the sort of polish of, uh, of many films, I think there's very few films that are as, as sharply defined and polished as the assistant was Um, really, um, really effectively, capturing those tiny moments where something is wrong but you can't quite put your finger on it like that's Mm. a hard you know you're basically trying to capture the indefinable and and the feeling is pervasive throughout the entire film it's it really is uh, a masterful piece of filmmaking and and i was absolutely floored by it uh and you know again saying it every time go check out the episode it's a good one yeah yeah uh, what what is this what is this episode itself but just an advertisement <laughs> for ten other episodes? It's uh it's the clip show, right? It's the clip yeah, show. Yeah, I guess this is the clip show. Yeah. My number five actually plays into that idea of revisiting uh, uh Oh boy. The past. Oh boy, I know what this is. Uh and oh that boy. is of course Bill and Ted face the music. Oh uh, no, that is not what I thought it was. Okay. No. Okay, all right. Interesting. Uh, This movie is the quintessential right place, right time for me. I'm a huge fan of the Bill and Ted series, um, as I just even mentioned about the Alamo Drafthouse story at the beginning of this hour. Um, The this is the thing. I cried at the end of Bill and Ted face the music, like I did, and there. And weirdly enough, a lot of people I talked to did as well like mm. not like ball but like i had a tear run down my face like yeah. and 
it's not that the movie is made so well or like or maybe it is i don't know not classically by any means like it's it's kind of not shoestring budget but less than you'd expect it's definitely a labor of love which i think helps it but it's one of the most earnest films i think uh, of the year by far and that i've seen in a long time where it knows what it is it doesn't overstay its welcome it gives you just the amount of fan service where it doesn't get annoying and it also passes a torch and closes a chapter and lets you sort of i don't know it just it did a lot of things it's it's it is the perfect cinematic closure in a world where i feel like a lot of times the third film kind of can be disappointing yeah if in a series um bill and ted face the music really just leaned in said this is it and said goodbye and like that was something that i i needed so much in this dark fuckwad of a year um that i i i absolutely loved it i i i cannot sing the praises of bill and ted face the music enough you know when as you were describing i think the movie that came to mind that i think is comparable in terms of a trilogy knowing how to say goodbye and effectively render a new chapter um is toy story i think uh you know the way in which toy story 3 um, kind of works is similar to the way Bill and Ted's uh, Face the Music work, which is that it's a film that doesn't need to exist, but I'm kind of glad it does. In a vacuum it does, but then they made Toy Story But then four. they went back and did, they did it again. And I was like, okay, guys, just just chill. Just just lean back a little bit here. We Just keep making the third part again. Yeah. I can't wait for Toy Story 5, Toy Story 3. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. All right. My number, number four. Four. And I will preface this. I say this every year. When it gets into these like four, three, two, ones, these these, these could all jump around. These could all jump around. No, they can't. They, they could can't. totally jump around. They can't. They can't. You put them on a list. No, no. This wouldn't be a uh, this wouldn't be a review show unless we got into this semantic argument. You you're actively putting them in an order. And I'm saying, as I say every year, that I that the order feels arbitrary to me because these four movies are so exceptional that. That if I said one of the the, the the movie that I'm going to say is number four was actually my number one, it would, yeah, be great. It's, but here's the deal. <laughs> I'm saying this straight up. It's Schrodinger's movie, right? The second that we look in the box, the second that you reveal it, that makes it that burnt on the list. So this is etched in stone, like Moses' tablets. It's not until you say the words. As you it's say. not until <laughs> you say the word. It's it's all fluid and happy and whatever, like you just said, until you actually say my number four pick is. Well, here's what I'm going to do. After this conversation, I'm going to take my picks and I'm going to scramble them up and I'm going to look at them again and I'm going to go, you know what? That works too. Great, but th- <laughs> there'll be lies. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be lies. Lies. Yeah. My number four film is a delightful tale of a little boy and his grandmother in Arkansas. It's Lee Isaac Chung's Minari. Beautiful film. Uh, And and I think we both described it in the same way. Uh, One of the most quintessentially American movies uh, that we've seen in a long time um, about a a young family um, setting roots in Arkansas and trying to establish... um, uh, a farm and running into irrigation problems. <laughs> that's that's what the movie is. And I mean, yeah, there's more I mean, to that's it than the structure. But if you want the IMDb description, you just kind of are yeah. you? Are they hiring you? <laughs> uh, irrigation problems. The movie. I loved it. Uh, it's it's this. The, I, I will say the kid. Uh, uh, what is his name? Is it Alan Dave? Uh, Alan. Oh, I got to pull this up right now. Um, 
I will say that Jason Schwartzman, not not Jason Schwartzman. Now we're all messing up names. The guy who played Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, uh, um, uh, uh, I've gone blank as well. I listen to him on Comedy Bang Bang all the time. Yeah, uh, he basically. Uh, yeah, he he, 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 he rang up. He the kid. heard that that the Sonic was the, uh, that actor's favorite. Alan movie, Kim. So Alan Kim is the yeah. kid. Yeah. Alan Kim. Uh, he found out that Alan Benny, Kim's favorite Benny movie. Schwar- the year. Benny Schwartz. Ben, yeah, Benny Schwartzman. Called and it was Sonic on a voicemail, and uh, he freaked out. It was very, very cute. If you haven't seen that clip on the internet, Alan Go Kim, I think, was designed in uh, an algorithm somewhere uh, with maximum cuteness. Um, He's a Pixar child <laughs> brought into the real world. He is so adorable um, that uh, him uh, urinating where he should not be urinating is um, one of the most delightful and still adorable things, despite being one of the grossest things any human being can do. Um, sure. This No, it just, I, I think as well, what's great about this movie is every character, aside from the one character we mentioned in the in the review, uh, who sort of gets left by the wayside, and which is the uh, the young the the daughter of the family. Yes. Um, every character aside from that one uh, gets rendered with an authenticity and a life beyond the screen, um, sure. which makes them engaging, warm, inviting, friendly. You just want to spend time with them. You just want you want them to succeed. You know, is is kind of the the what makes that movie work so well is that this is a family that has you know like that is worth championing and i loved it yeah no makes sense makes total sense um my number four okay is not a film in the moment when i saw it that i thought would make this list but when i was making the list it instantly popped into my head uh and that like like almost like a memory from days past Mm -hmm. And that film is Tenet. Five Bloods. It's Tenet, right? <laughs> it's Five Bloods. Five Bloods. I am not a huge Spike Lee fan. What? I mean, I like his stuff, but I'm never. I'm not like you, Shahir. Like I, you, you like Champion, and that's great. I and I don't dislike Spike Lee. I just it's. I, I don't know. Like I like some of his films, sure, but I, I I don't ever gravitate. This movie showed me something new. Uh, the the story of these veterans going back to honor, um, well, to half honor. However, I don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen it. Uh, one of their fallen brothers, um, it, from the Vietnam War, and the back and forth, and of course, uh, you know, just it 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 struck a chord with me that few movies revolving around war do. Granted, I would not call this a war movie, but war is definitely a central character. What is it good um, for? Yeah. yeah. Uh but the the sort of the the adventures slash misadventures of Paul David Otis and Eddie going back to to this place where they were forced to go to fight for a thing they might or might not have believed in. Mm. Um a- and having to square um you know, their their fallen their fallen uh brother played by uh Chad Chadwick Boseman. Boseman. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. Like, I, I I think about this movie quite a bit, and I it's weird. I think about it more, uh, in in the terms of maybe it's because <laughs> spoiler alert, I'm aging, um, <laughs> as all of us are, and I um, 
I, I find myself looking back at choices even that I made when I was 20 or, you know, something like that or experiences, etc. And none of them d- by far are as horrific and, 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 and scarring as, as the Vietnam War. But the idea of going back to a place to honor a time is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I think this movie encapsulates that drive really beautifully while also uh adding some adding some uh surprise turns along the way hey man delroy um, lindo staring at the camera is uh is my particular fetish yeah <laughs> yeah 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 um i don't know and I, and I, also I, chadwick it, it you know though. like that performance from chadwick boseman is particularly poignant um i think because because of you know what we knew that was happening as he was making that film um and what happened subsequently as he passed away but also i think the movie renders him as a sort of angelic figure looking down upon his friends who haven't mm-hmm. aged and and it kind of adds this extra layer of authenticity to the film um that's pretty extraordinary um yeah no it's a great movie it didn't it mm-hmm. didn't quite land for me and while i am a a big you know like a fan of Spike Lee and a champion of his films and uh, more of his films have meant more to me than most filmmakers ever will. Um, Lately, you know, like recently, I think I've, I found his films to be a little bit more polemic, you know, in a way, as opposed to use words. I know, (laughs) uh, I guess structured and, and organized as an idea, as opposed to an emotion. Thank you. Um, it's closing in on midnight and I've slept two hours so I, I don't know what polemic meant I'm probably not using polemic in the correct, in the correct way either but email us in onlymovepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com yeah de- define uh, uh, email me the dictionary define dude. polemic <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I another movie I liked in principle but didn't you know quite resonate for me but but you know I, I can I can I can wholeheartedly champion the choice my, what's your what's your number three my number three is a film that has appeared on your list. Is a film. Great. It is a film. Step one. Yep, yep. Unlike Hamilton, it is a film. Uh, it is a film. <laughs> Never, really, sometimes, always uh, yeah. by Eliza Hitman. Uh I think, you know, just a stunning portrait of the, of the immediacy and challenges of a moment and navigating New York City and and having enough money to go do this one thing that nobody really wants to do but is made yeah. exorbitantly difficult by the world we live in today uh, mm-hmm. more much more difficult than it should be both financially both politically both morally um, you know like it's just a it's it, getting an abortion for a young woman shouldn't be this way and you know like for something that's so devastatingly challenging it shouldn't be this difficult but the shining humanity like um first first cow in this movie is uh the main character's best friend i'm I'm sorry i'm blanking on names at this point um but just someone completely ride or die for their best friend you know like who's willing to be there um who will will you know accompany you on this journey and do everything in their power to protect you and be there for you and make sure that you are not more scarred than you should be um it's a yeah amazing film and you know there's a simplicity to this movie that Mm -hmm. sort of makes it feel um makes it feel i think somewhat 
can make it feel slight, but what, but, but what it is, is there's a complexity to the actual emotions that are going on between these characters and, and what they're having to deal with. Made me miss New York, even the shitty parts of New York. Uh, <laughs> I'd never want to visit Port Authority bus terminal again, but, no. uh, but, but it made me miss, you know, like the, the challenge of navigating New York city. And then made me think about how really challenging it is for someone who doesn't have the privileges that I have to yeah. do so. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up Port Authority. Um, the It's interesting because, like, you're right. I, I Well, I used to live in Jersey, so I used to commute through Port Authority. Yeah, I had to do it to get to your place once, and it was it was. Hell. I know. <laughs> uh, well, my, my point is, like, I never want to do that again, and this movie kind of did make me want to do that again, <laughs> which is very, very strange because it's not what the movie's about at all. Like, going to that shitty uh, Irish pub that had karaoke. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird It's a weird convergence there. <laughs> Uh, speaking of weird convergences, oh. my number three uh, will probably be the most contentious. Oh boy! I think. Oh, uh, I, I, I. There's a movie that I think is going to make an appearance on your list. It's probably this one. Here you go. You ready? Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That is not the contentious one that I thought it was oh. going to be. I expected this movie to appear on your list. Okay, good <laughs> because this movie fucking rocked. Um, it was early in the year, um, but I, I have, out of all of the movies on this list, and maybe it's because it is uh, early in the year, outside of Scott Pilgrim and Real Steel, which is not really yeah. on the list because those are the those are the rewatches. I've watched Birds of Prey the most times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Birds of Prey, uh, and I think I've, I've I've nailed down why. I like DC characters. Mm-hmm. I think the Snyderverse is bullshit. <laughs> I think it started fine and then just tanked. And uh, I, I when when Birds of Prey came out, it was a breath of fresh air uh, by Kathy Yan mm-hmm. um, that just, I was like, oh yeah, like this is a world that I like. I forgot I liked this <laughs> world. Yeah. Um, and uh, Margot Robbie coming back as uh, Harley Quinn in, in a way that I thought Harley Quinn should be, mm-hmm. um, not the Arkham Asylum version that's sort of just the 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 the, the mentally ill sort of dressed as a sex pot clown mm-hmm. uh, from Suicide Squad, which she had some good lines there, and there was some, you know, whatever, but Suicide Squad was Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, this just felt right. Um, it felt like the Harley Quinn I wanted to see. It felt like her story. They gave her enough stuff. I loved the structure of it. Uh, I loved all the friendships that they sort of made with the Birds of Prey themselves. Um, and uh, it made me really curious to see what they do with this iteration of Harley Quinn in the future. Um, and I think after we watch Justice League, the Snyder <laughs> oh, Cut God, of Justice doing League. That? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, because I hate myself. <laughs> I will go back and watch Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn to cleanse my palate again. Uh, I, I absolutely love this movie. It 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 is a it is a no pun intended bop, and it um it can turn a frown upside down anytime I need it to, yeah. to happen. Um, I I I think I agree with everything you say there. Uh, it's also um. 
uh, has one of the best sandwiches on film this year, definitely, without a doubt. Like, uh, <laughs> also, really good soundtrack. <laughs> great soundtrack uh, and great sandwiches. Um, I'm just, yep. I'm enamored by food and movies this year, and the way Harley Quinn looks at an egg and cheese sandwich uh, is the way, um, find someone who looks at you the way Harley Quinn looks at an <laughs> egg and cheese sandwich in that movie. Uh, I love it. The tragedy, the tragedy of Birds of Prey is that that movie made $200 million at the box office. Yep. Suicide Squad made 746 Justice League made six, close, 650 I think Batman v Superman might have made more than all of those things. Birds Probably. of Prey is clearly the best of all of those movies. And yep. and without a doubt, um, you know, the the should be the focus point of how to do the DC universe. Um, the, you know, there's stuff in it that I felt didn't work for me. But like you say... Uh, it renders the DC universe in a way that I think nobody else has quite captured and figured mm-hmm. out, and the mayhem and the madness and the the darkness and and you know uh, it, it it's all there. And I think this movie does more to resuscitate the failures of Suicide Squad than any movie ever will. Like I, I don't I don't know if James Gunn's going to be able to live up to to, Who knows? to what was done here. Uh, the interesting thing, I'll even say this, write me in and fight me, onlymoviepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com, write me and fight me. I think Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, and yes, I will always say the original title, <laughs> um, I think it is the closest we've seen thus far to a live action feeling version of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, I would. I, it's funny, I've been watching it recently because it's on HBO Max. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think it captures. It's not it's not a one to one, but it captures the, the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It it is really. I think you know the things that really worked for me in it are the um the prison escape or the 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 the, the, the it's not the prison escape the the police uh, the police yep. station raid that Harley yep. Quinn does and it's kind of rendered in the colors of Harley Quinn and the way she would do mm-hmm. things with those sandbags and stuff. I love that. I think that's really yes sandbags whatever they are uh, uh, cocaine. Oh, is that what it is? It's a cocaine Yeah, because they shoot up the cocaine thing, and then there's white powder flying everywhere. I think it was colored powder. Oh, no, so she's shooting colored powder in the police station. I'm thinking of two different things. Then when she's in the police station lockup, she hides behind a pile of cocaine. cocaine. But I meant the shooting of the the sandbags filled with colored powder. I think it's just, it's such a smart way to do Harley Quinn. And the problem that I had in Suicide Squad was that there was no reason for Harley Quinn to be in that film, despite yeah, being a single... Yeah, you don't send a, 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 a mentally uh, unstable woman uh, to fight. with a baseball bat to go fight an ancient god. Yeah, it just it didn't make any sense. Despite being yeah. a central character in The Suicide Squad, that movie couldn't def- justify why she was in The Suicide Squad. Um, yeah. So I, I love that they found a story that made sense for um for that character and so yeah i i you know again not a movie that would that made my list but i i i stand the position there you go what's your number two number two is about a beauty pageant <laughs> gone awry miss juneteenth oh. There we go. Yeah. There yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was coming. I knew it was coming. As much as Birds of Prey was definitely going to appear on your list, I've spoken <laughs> so much about how good Channing Godfrey People's Mr. Juneteenth uh, has been all year. I, I think, I, you know, like for, for most of the year, this was like my number one movie of the year. Uh, just a movie I fell in love with right away. Um, I fell in love with the characters right away. Uh, like Minari, like Never Really, Sometimes Always, uh, a film where you want the people within it to succeed and you know it doesn't 
it doesn't mean that the film has to be saccharine. It doesn't mean that they have to succeed. It doesn't mean that they that that their actions are always right and and that we have to see them do good things. It just means that I'm so on board with these characters that their journey uh, their journey matters to me more than just the the sort of case of seeing a movie. I need them to succeed because them succeeding reaffirms my value and you know, like my faith in life in a way. And, you know, this is a movie, uh, I think I talked about this during the year as well, where the stakes are $700 or something along those lines, you know, which I'm obnoxious for saying doesn't feel like a lot, but for, for this character, it is a lot and it matters. It's as important as the Wolf of Wall Street trying to get a, you know, a a deal uh, on sneaker, you know, the, the sneaker company. Um, It's, 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 and, and it kind of takes, um, it takes sort of moments from the sort of you know like little miss sunshine or poetic justice and sure. and and refuses them with a clearer understanding of who these characters are and what they need and and how the journey of going through this is important to them i, I think i just i just I, I fell in love with this movie there's no way to describe it as that i just love watching this movie i love being in this movie i love seeing this movie and i would urge all of you to see it there we go my number two i mean what else is there left to say about the water from the mountains right uh of course i'm talking about minari because they're drinking mountain dew (laughs) and it's mountain from the water i really it's a real shame that we did austin powers this year and neither of us said who does number two work for who does number number two two work for for him (laughs) Uh, Minari's great. Go see it. It's phenomenal. Thought about it a lot. Uh, we've talked about it a bunch. I don't feel like I need to put a different spin on it. Shahir covered it perfectly. Uh, this is a movie that not only like, uh, I don't know. I, I th- th- and I think what sealed the deal for me, honestly, is the relationship between the grandmother and the, the little boy Yeah, and how that changes and then what happens and just, I don't, I, God, I don't want to ruin anything else. It's just fucking beautiful. And you should absolutely go see it. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's fucking great. It's fucking great. I I will say this. There was a Korean film that I, I, Minari was reminding me of that I had just forgotten that I had seen. But when I was, um, I was uh, tutoring uh, or TAing uh, Korean cinema with Aaron Mannion Park, he he got us to watch this movie. The movie is called The Way Home. uh, And it's about a young uh, child, um, probably a little bit older than the kid from Minari, who's a city kid who gets sent up to his grandmother's um, village, uh, you know, up in the countryside, and has to live with his grandmother. And it's basically, if you love that relationship in Minari, you will find this absolute this movie, The Way Home, an absolute delight. You can rent this movie on YouTube right now. It's so good. Uh, it's such a sweet movie, and it kind of touches on that same sort of like. Uh, feeling that a, that a, you know, like a grandparent will do anything for their grandchild, no matter how ridiculous and absurd it is, including drinking inappropriate Mountain Dew. Um, uh, so yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So before we get to our number ones, Shahir, you wanted to talk very briefly, and this podcast is long in the tooth, so I think we should keep it quite short. But you wanted to talk about the sort of best outside of podcast movie. What film you saw that we did not talk about? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something we've done every year, right? We've talked about movies that we watched outside of the podcast that we kind of loved and, and you know, like would champion uh, outside of our discussions. Sure. I'll start because I can't remember any. <laughs> this is, this is true. Honestly, of, this is true of a lot I, of uh, people's experiences. I can't. I can't remember a film we didn't review. Fair. I, I, 
I, and I, I feel like I must have at least watched a handful. Yeah. But I wonder if those are also movies that like I'd seen before. Like yeah. I rewatched Lord of the Rings. Of course, yeah. There was a lot. <laughs> like, of, we were supposed to do Lord of the Rings as a series, and and hopefully we will. I've got. I still got some interviews for the, for that that I need to do. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, this was a year of re revisiting things like comfort films. There was definitely a case of like watching movies that you know and you like and you you kind of feel safe with. Um, so I I, to I totally get that. I just wanted to champion a couple of things that I saw this year that I think were uh, extraordinary and I would love to talk about. One that I think you would like in particular, Matt, is um, Frank Oz, did, it, it, like Hamilton, did a, uh, did a recording of a performance by Derek Delgadio, uh, and the, it was called In and of Itself. Uh, Derek Delgadio mm. is a kind of uh, sleight-of-hand magician, um, performance artist kind of thing, and it's a... Uh, it's a really a piece about uh, individual self-worth and identity, and, and, but rendered through a storytelling performance, which involves magic tricks, um, <laughs> and directed by Yoda himself, Frank Oz. Uh, there's moments in this that are like, you sort of watch it because it's deceptively sly in terms of like, the trick really looks really simple, but when you really think about what they've just done, it's like, Wait a minute! How did they do that? And there's a there's, what's what's great about it, like uh, Hannah Gadsby's Nanit, is that it sort of uses the medium of magic and storytelling to open up a bigger discussion about identity and self worth, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. The last, um, I guess it's five minutes, uh, and I won't spoil the magic trick, so you should watch it are pretty extraordinary. Uh, a couple more. I'm just going to say these quickly. I finally saw A Face in the Crowd, the Ilya Kazan film about a, uh, a crooning singer who, uh, who well, earworms his way into the American population and eventually becomes somewhat uh, of a of a major political figure, uh, which has this sort of Trumpian rise to it. Um, sure. It's... Uh, you know, I again, I thought I sort of thought about it as a film that people have talked to, uh, in principle, in Rise to the Trump era. Uh, but it's so much more than that. Uh, it's such a sort of extraordinary examination of the way in which the media operates and the way in which uh, a personality can take over um, the identity of a of a of, a, of an entire population. So um, that's amazing. I think you'd love another round, the Thomas Vinterberg film with Mads Mikkelsen, uh, which I mm. saw uh, as well about a group of uh, high school teachers who decide that they're going to try and live life um, at a certain percentage of inebriation at all times. So they're going to be drunk at all times. Why would I like that, Shahir? Because... I say as I drink my White Claw. <laughs> it's surprisingly life-affirming film about um, four <laughs> high school teachers who decide to be drunk all the time. Um, and finally, I haven't quite gotten through these, but they are amazing. Um, actually, I could save this for the next thing that we were going to talk about, which was the best TV show Well, yeah, show so the, the next thing was going to be TV shows that we watched this year. I could, um, I could save this into that one because it kind of crosses the boundary a little bit. Sure. Uh, I only have a few. Yeah. Uh, and there's a few that I really liked, but I didn't finish because, again, what is time? Yeah. Um, I just sort of burnt out. I found narrative, longer form narrative entertainment was harder for me. I think Tina um, Fey had a joke about this, which is that I want to watch... I don't want to watch a movie that's two hours, but I want to watch a five-hour TV show. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Uh, Lovecraft Country and Queen's Gambit, I watched most of yep. and enjoyed all of the stuff I saw, but I never finished. So that I don't know what that says. Then, of course, there is WandaVision, where at the time of this recording, the penultimate, no, the ultimate episode, the last episode, uh, has not aired yet. Have not seen uh, these Wanda things. 
WandaVision is absolutely phenomenal. It's so good. Shahir, I honestly think you would like WandaVision. I, 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 it, it, it transcends Marvel. It's it's the smartest, most different thing Marvel has done. I feel like that's a praise uh, and, and to the, the show. And the most emotionally resonant. I think that's a praise to the show and a dig at Marvel. <laughs> no, I don't think it's a dig at Marvel. I think it's that fucking good. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I do want to give sort of a, a, a shout out to uh, Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I just started doing this year, and thank fucking God I did. Because watching their second campaign, Critical Role for the Uninitiated, is a uh, real-play uh, tabletop RPG show where Matt Mercer and a bunch of his voice actor friends play Dungeons & Dragons, and it's a long-form narrative thing. The episodes are four hours a pop, and you can watch it just and watch it, or you can watch it and do other things at the same time. Um, and it is more emotionally resonant than most every other thing like television type thing that i saw this year it's so good if you like in-depth interesting character development uh in a in a fiction title uh i can and, and i know it sounds daunting like i they, they're still doing this the series they do it live um i think they're on episode 127 and i started la- the a little bit before 2020 started and I'm on ep 93. Ooh, wow. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. Now, granted, it's not individually sitting down and only doing that thing, but it's sort of the perfect hybrid for my just broken concentration now <laughs> yeah. where uh, I need to be doing two things at once or I start thinking about, you know, the world. <laughs> so uh, it was great to escape to Alexandria uh, and Wild Mount, which is the world that Matt Mercer has created, and uh, I- I- I'm very thankful for it. That's great. I, I, I must admit, um, at some point, you're going to have to initiate me into D&D at some point. Uh, and it has when a- you listen, I'm, I'm buying a decent amount of terrain. So the second we can be in the same room together, you're more than welcome to. I, I've actually been talking uh, with some folks. Uh, um, I want to start to plan for when it is safe because I am missing role playing very much. And uh, you're more than welcome to, to hop in a game and see if you like it or not. Because yeah. I, I it's as 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 a creative, and I will call you that. Don't <laughs> let it go to your head. Uh, I I think it's one of the best exercises that a writer or a creative individual can have because it is pure. It is pure idea. Mm. Like the entirety of it is you basically being the main character of a novel. Right. And but you have no control about anything other than what your character would have control of. And to be able to like traverse that world uh stretches a lot of writing muscles uh <laughs> even for the players. So I think you'd really like it. All right. I got to I got to try that sometime because uh, uh unfortunately if I turned up, if you told me to turn up a role play at your house I would uh, wear an inappropriate costume and turn up a uh, uh, with assless chaps or something like that. Um, <laughs> sure. Great. You know what? You wear them anyway. You can play D&D in assless chaps. Uh, I mean, I guess that's more, if they're leather, it's more thematically appropriate. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll dig them out. Um, it's, yeah. you know, the, the quarantine 15 is going to make those a little tighter than usual, but uh, <laughs> I don't need to know your problems. I just need to know solutions. <laughs> uh, TV shows I watch. I did watch the Queen's Gambit, which I liked a lot. Um, my boy Scott, Scott Frank is having his moment, which I really dig. Um, um, amazing writer that you know has been behind some of my favorite films of all time so it's great to see that his show and kind of his name is being recognized now um chernobyl was the one i watched that i kind of mm. you know devoted the most energy to and felt like i was gonna sit through um i didn't i i, I think i just didn't have the capacity to 
commit myself to long form entertainment. Uh, I'm making my way through Steve McQueen's small acts as we speak. I've seen three of them right now and there's two mm-hmm. more to go, um, which are, you know, like, like I just don't think Steve McQueen can make a bad movie. I, I don't think he's capable <laughs> of doing it. Um, so I'm very excited to finish that off. Uh, and hopefully I will be uh, talking on the movie land podcast uh, uh, with CJ Johnson about that. At some point he might've moved on because I've taken so long to actually get through it. You're, um, you're a hard person to book it, and I know this. Yeah, it is true. Cause I've done it for <laughs> five plus years. I mean, you got to talk to my agent and he's five years old and which is really challenging cause he can't but write the, anything down. You know down. why we can do this show is because your agent is five years old, but we can bond over Miles Morales. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh yeah, just take him." And I'm like, great. Thanks. By the way, I just picked up Matt Singer. Who's the editor of screen crush, his history of uh, Spider-Man book. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is wonderful. It's a full history nice. of uh, Spider-Man in the comic books and, and, and every iteration of him. Um, and uh, we just got it today, literally. And it is much bigger than I expected it to be. It's like half the size of my son. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I used to have books like this when I was a little kid. There was a Batman, like a, an annotated history of the Dark Knight that I had when I was sure. a little kid. And it was like an encyclopedia of Batman that I would pour through. Um, so Matt Singer has created one of those for Spider-Man. And uh, I'm, I would be excited to go through that soon. But nice. we have something else to go through right now. We do. So here we have a clip from our our illustrious uh, Topham historian, Tersman. <laughs> uh, uh, we got we got his top five episodes that we did of the year. So he's reviewing us review things. Oh, it's like the abyss is staring back into us. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> Tersman, take it away. Good evening, man. She here. Hope you guys are having a good top 10 list. I'm coming at you guys for my second year of doing the top five only podcast about movies episodes. I did this last year and for some reason, I'm assuming because of the sleep deprivation, you guys thought that my favorite movie of last year was Hobbs and Shaw. I still haven't forgiven you for that one. But anyways, let's get into the list. Top five, I have Final Fantasy with guest star Jessica Tucker. Number four, we have Totally Under Control with guest star Dr. Ross Firestone. Number three, we have Hamilton with guest stars Tessa Hirsch and Jamie Walsh. Number two, we have Enola Holmes with guest star Jamie Walsh. And number one, we have the bonus roundtable episode with guest star Jessica Tucker. Honorable mentions go to Promising Young Woman with guest star Celia Evans, Real Steel, and The Hunt with guest star Zisham Alim. Now, I had a bit of confusion on whether or not I wanted to put the roundtable in, but considering you guys do label it as episode 301, with the Elf episode being episode 302, I considered it a separate episode and I included it. But anyways, that was my list. I hope you guys enjoyed. You may notice that in the top five, there are no episodes that are only Matt and Jahir. There are two Jessica Tucker episodes. There are two Jamie Walsh episodes. And my point for the Lego Batman review still stands. Shahir, your days are numbered. Have a great list, guys. Oh, <laughs> Tourist Tourist Man. Man, thank you so much. I will before we before, before we do our digs at Tourist Man, I will say this. Why are we digging? I am sincerely appreciative that that the title of Topam Historian is an official title, by the way, at this point. Oh, 100%. And, and I am appreciative of, of not just the time, but the enthusiasm and just the fact that you're there. And it just it makes my day 
a little bit brighter every day when I get a message or see something that he's posting. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, same, same, same. So thank you. I wasn't going to dig at all. I, I mean, he he's obviously has good taste if he's picking all episodes that have more than us in them. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, there's a, there's a concurrent theme here, which is that either Jess Tucker or Jamie Walsh need to become part of the show, I think is what is what the what suggestion if is. Jess, what if Jess and Jamie started their own other <laughs> podcast called The Other podcast, podcast About, about movies. movies? It would be uh, much more successful. And uh, If we ever need to take a vacation, <laughs> those two, that might be something that we 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 push forward. I think that, um, that would be a great idea, like a vacation episode or a couple of weeks where those two really dive in and yeah the tragedy of it would be and we all know this is that it would be much better than what I we know. do and and much more well oh, received um, uh, well as long as we still get our 20 percent cut of nothing <laughs> i would be happy um also um, the, the fact that the 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 conversation the roundtable conversation about uh warner brothers and christopher nolan um being his number one i think it's fun because that happened quite spontaneously which is that yes. we started a, a sort of preamble to our elf episode with that conversation uh happening and then it, it spiraled into like 45 minutes or more of content and we were like okay we can't do this to elf we need to actually have this as its own episode and yeah. i will note it was downloaded quite a lot that that episode actually did um get a lot of hits <laughs> and I'm not I'm not against doing stuff like that in the future. It's just a matter of like the convergence of a of a topic about film happening on the same day we record that will invoke that level of discussion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a lot of stars aligning that made that episode possible cuz right now Shahir and I even though we have nothing to do, we have everything to do and it is actually hard to find the time again. We're recording this it's almost midnight at this point. Um, uh, on our record evening uh, on Wednesday. So, all right. Yeah. No. Uh, Terrence Man. Again, thank you very much. Appreciate it, and all of all of the all of the listening you do to us. I uh, I have no idea how it's possible, but I appreciate it nonetheless. All right. Um, number one. Okay. Let's. We're gonna wrap this up. How do we want to reveal our number ones? Do we want me to go? Do you want you to go? Do, do we, we just yell at the same, same time? time and uh, and see who gets the loudest one? Because that will clearly be the winner. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, we all have our separate lists. Um, uh, do you just want to? Do you want to do like three, two, one movie title? Well, here's no, no. You know what? Because your title is going to be more of a surprise to me. Mine is one that I know isn't on your list because it's on your honorable mentions, and you oh, know what? Well, you know what that. it is right away. As soon as I say then that, go for it. Yeah. Go for it. I won't. Yeah. yeah. Sound of Metal is my number one film of the year. Uh, a film that just I think. Um, you know, like Nomadland deeply terrified me at the possibilities of being an artist whose primary mode of um, creation is suddenly taken away from you and then having to rebuild your life um, and learn not only a new language fundamentally, but a new way to live um, and accepting kind of the traumas of your past. And there's nothing about Sound of Middle that makes that feel cathartic or beautiful it is this the reality that this character has to live with and and that doesn't mean the movie is not hopeful but it just it talks about i think i you know like i talked about this when we were talking about hamilton uh you know and and, and hearing stories that had happened this year is that life doesn't necessarily go the way we want it to go and i'm terrified by that 
and I re- I really am. Like I'm really <laughs> terrified by the idea that, you know, like a curveball will come and, you know, that you're just completely not expecting. And, you know, like what a film like Sound of Middle sort of talks about in the same way that I think Nomadland talks about financially is the perseverance of human beings to move through that and and mm. still keep going, um, which I think is what that why that movie kind of really resonated with me. Um, yeah, just an amazing film, amazing performances. Um, yeah, n- not much more I can say about it except see it once, see it twice, see it. See it you know, it, usually when my top film of the year will be something when I sit down and think about it, go, I'm going to watch that movie many more times in my life as I get older. Like that that's a movie I'm just going to, you know, come to often in my life. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it is a great film. Uh, there is no question. I, I, uh, it, it, for whatever reason, I, I just, uh, it, it came to my brain <laughs> after, after the rest of these movies came to my brain. There you go. Specifically, um, there was actually no question what film was going to be my number one. I actually don't know what it is. Ever since I saw it. I like hang on, I'm just looking and thinking about it. No, I don't want you to guess. I want to say it before you guess. I'm thinking of ending things. This is a movie I feel like I should have reevaluated and and I don't know it kind of there was an absence to it in my list. But yeah. No. Great movie. I love this fucking movie. I've watched it multiple times. I I I experienced it different each one. There, there is a, there is a beauty and a terror and a wonder and and it 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 almost I think what why it was so special to me is it broke every rule of a movie that would normally make me be like oh fuck this movie right <laughs> like but it just works Charlie Kaufman fucking <laughs> beautiful genius you uh, it just functions I I. If if you said if I close my eyes and someone said cinema of twenty twenty, I would see outside the ice cream shop. Right. Like yeah. I, I would see that snowy drive. I would I would I would see the, the janitor dancing or the janitor moving and those characters dancing. I would see Tony Collette and David uh Thewlis, uh sort of like aging at different <laughs> rates. Um and the overall tension of it all wrapped like there's like nine different kinds of tension wrapped around it yeah um fuck that movie's good i don't think anybody uh, does anxiety on on screen like charlie kaufman even in his written works uh, and and his directorial works right yeah like nobody uh, nobody does it like he does it's so good yeah it's so good it's so good it, please it should, go watch like, it it should be on it, it should be on my honorable mentions um, and it probably should be on the list somewhere. I just don't know what I would take out to put it there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, a great choice. Great choice for that one. Um, yeah, well, yeah, we, I just want to say it. before we, before we did it, this is, you know, some, there's, there was one year <laughs> after we, we did it, one year we did this where we, there was literally one film we had in common. There was another sure. year we did this where every film was in common. This year is kind of right in the middle. We have one, two, three, four, five movies in common. 50-50 with split. With one in the same, with Hamilton, Hamilton being yeah, in the being same the, number eight spot. So Hamilton is the Mad Max Fury Road of 2020 for us. Checks out. Yeah. 
That makes sense. If, yep, yep. I have no problem with that analogy whatsoever. <laughs> Everybody, this has been the only podcast about our podcast's top 10 movies that we reviewed in 2020. Um, thank you so much for listening to this near uh, almost two-hour uh, smorgasbord of uh, data from our brains. <laughs> uh, Shahir, when you are not freewheeling with your top four after you've already committed them to the annals of history, where can folks find you? The annals of history? Is that what you're looking nope. for? <laughs> the annals nope. of history? I am yep. watching Captain Underpants right now, by the way, and I think... So it checks out. Yeah, it it's, it's, uh, probably works that way. Uh, you can find me at my website, uh, wearing my underpants on the outside uh, at, uh, at com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D.com. Matt, when you are taking uh, your cryptocurrency stock all the way to Uranus... Uh, where can people find you? You can find me slaying it like Kronos. What up, mythology, over at my website, <laughs> M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also, Skeletor, the number four, P-R-E-Z on Instagram or P-S-N. No one from the podcast has friended me. All of those <laughs> friend requests were bogus. And, or if they weren't, you didn't mention that you're from the podcast, so it's still bogus. Also, Emperor MSK on Twitter. Please check out the good works as well that we are doing over on Extra Credits. Right now, we are in the middle of our Teddy the Trustbuster series about Mr. Roosevelt and how he laid the smacketh down to various trusts back in the day. Also, we just released an episode today on uh, on Roblox. Are you familiar with Roblox, Shahir? Uh, no, I am not. So you're gonna be because you have a child, <laughs> okay. and uh, Roblox is a video game that has uh, been a safe bastion for younger players and kids for the last couple years. And since the pandemic, it has skyrocketed. Uh, it is a good game made by good people with non-predatory actions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they are going public in a couple days yeah. or in a couple weeks, even. And we talk about the different ways of like what that could mean to business models and revenue because the funny thing about investors is they kind of want their money back. So we'll see what happens with Roblox because basically they're selling a generation. There's something like 75% of, of kids between the ages of 9 and 12, I think it was, in the United States play Roblox. And the average player is like two and a half hours a day. Right. Okay. It's like you're buying a generation by doing this. So, okay. uh, I'm, it, I'm curious about this now. We look into sort of what could happen, the goods, the bads, the pros, the cons, etc. It's a very interesting uh it's a very interesting discussion. Anyway, that tangent all aside, Again, dear listeners, thank you so much for taking this ride with us. This is always one of our favorite sort of ones to do, I think. Um uh, and even though it is late and I'm probably not making any more sense because, again, I am sleep deprived, uh, I very much appreciate that you took this uh, wild numerical ride with both of us. It is, what, year five, year six of the podcast? No signs of slowing down. Uh, Who's counting? <laughs> yeah. Um, Listen, if we haven't made a profit yet and we're still doing this, we're probably doing this for a while. 312. 13 or 12 episodes and still not a dime to our names this is yep. 
clearly the reason why our partners are with us because we are smart business people and yep. we talk about we will provide <laughs> we, will <laughs> we are we are we're more we're more uh gatherers uh, rather than hunters than gatherers i don't know i don't know what it is i don't know <laughs> thanks everybody for listening in again email us in at only movie podcast with your list uh your thoughts about our list uh anything you want to talk about that is movie related uh friend matt on his psn so he could play could you play roblox on the psn let's play fall guys let's play some fucking fall guys <laughs> it was free back in the day like that's easy yeah it's pl- uh, Play something like that. I'm playing Crash Bandicoot Racer right now, so you know you can or try that. If someone wants to walk me through how Destiny Two works now, that'd be fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll talk to you later. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.